Welcome to this episode of A Pastor and a Rabbi Walk Into a Bar. I'm Sean Hennessy, pastor at Life Church in Green Bay, joined as always by my homie, my brother from another mother, the rabbi, Matthew Rosenberg. Yes. That kind of sounded like Pat McAfee right there, didn't it? We should have went. <laughs> you watch McAfee? Uh, yes, we talked about that recently. Yeah, I'm not much episode. of a. I'm not much of a podcast. Yeah, I, I don't only see him on Sports Center yeah. when he has Aaron Rodgers news, and they. We know, talked about Pat McAfee. And about, we oh, we did. We talked yeah, about the WrestleMania. The WWE. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't always listen to you, so sometimes I forget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wow, that's about. true of so like, many people. Minute, so. <laughs> Bro, did you know? As we. Start this episode. Bro, did you know that on July 31st of this year, 2022. I don't think that's happened yet. Correct. Okay, I'm ready then. You threw me there for a minute. On July 31st of this year coming. Yes. Would be the day that George Jetson from the Jetsons would be born. Come on. In the show's pilot episode, it said that the show took place exactly 100 years in the future from its original air date of December 30th, 1962. Come on. When George goes to his annual checkup to visit the doctor, he says you should expect to live to 150, which would give you 110 more good years. That means that he was 40 years old at the age. This is some, some people thought this through no doubt. originally and coming back to it. Uh, that means he was 40 years old when it aired in 1962. Wow. So if you do the math backwards, July 31st of 2022 makes him a part of Generation Alpha, which is younger than Generation After My Kids. Wow. Meet George Jetson. Yeah. And then there are plenty of things that they predicted. I mean, there's things in the show that they predicted that it, like came true. Flying cars, not yet. Apartments in the clouds. But like, at, you know, like a robot that chooses your clothes and a maid. Like those things are on. Those are real things? Well, I, what what some are saying is that. Those things are on track. Many of those things are on track to be available in 2062. Come on, it's prophetic. When the show is supposed to be. Jane, his wife. Yeah. Dun, 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 Daughter dun. Judy. <laughs> Boy yeah. Elroy. So it's funny to think about George Jetson would be the generation after my kids. See, when I say George Jetson, though, I automatically prophetic. want to say George Jefferson. Oh, moving on up. Moving on up. To the sky. To the east side. To I think it was east side. apartment in the, the east sky. Side. You're yeah. right. <laughs> it's in New York. We're moving on up. Moving on up. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great show. That was a great show. Well, Maybe. No, it's, uh, it probably doesn't hold super up. Super offensive. It probably doesn't hold up. I don't think it would hold up. Now, that and All in the Family, they were both incredibly right. offensive yes. shows. Yes, intentionally. Yeah, so, so we've had some some laughter in our, in our podcasts over the last few years. Some mm-hmm. have been really funny. Some have been 
just, I mean, we just cut up and been goofy because we're kind of both kind of goofy guys. True. Um, you're a little sick today. I'm sorry that you're sick. By That's the way. all right. It's uh, it's the Rona. I can't believe that we talked about. <laughs> I can't believe that we talked about Pat McAfee, and I forgot about that. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, yeah. but I I love. No. Although it's a really long show, I really love. The, it is the danger for both of us. He's is so good. If if uh, if our producers don't help us, yeah, we may repeat entire conversations yeah. that we've already had before. Yeah, so because that's how we both live. So we've been we've been goofy. We've cut up a lot, but I think over the next couple of episodes, we've talked about some things that we want to talk about, and there's some serious stuff. Yeah, that's going on. And I think, you know, to, to stay true to the tenor of what this show really is, a pastor and a rabbi walk into a bar. The thing is, if a guy walked into a bar and sat down and talked to his buddies, what is the thing that he's going to want to have a conversation about? What's the thing that he's going to lead with, you know? And and I think we talked about today one of those things that I think, and particularly at the date that we're recording this, that's on the mind of a lot of people is violence in America. Yep, at there's it's increasing, right? Because of the shooting at elementary school in yeah. Texas, uh, and, which and is I nineteen kids, yeah, and three adults. I think is the number right now. I don't know, thankfully, so how to wrap my mind around that. The, right, the idea of and that it was from what I read, a teenager. Yep, eighteen. That. You know, as a dad of an 18-year-old, I, I just I, – I don't know how to wrap my mind around anything that involves this situation. But I, th- I think the level – the level of violence is increasing and, and the amount that it happens is increasing. The frequency with which that violence is happening is increasing. And so – particularly when we talk about what just happened in Texas. And then just a few weeks ago, we had this massive shooting in Buffalo, New York. And not long before that, we had another school shooting in Michigan where the parents are actually standing trial for manslaughter in addition to the child who was the shooter. And it's yeah, and it's there were, scary to send your kids. I mean, you here you live in, you know, the the town where Chop or Chaz was, and saw all sorts of stuff. I I was in Portland in the middle of the riots when they were trying to burn the city down, and it is we're just living in a culture that at times it feels like a powder keg, right? And and how do we like if I had little kids right now. My kids are both graduating in this year, so they won't be in in school. I mean, they'll be in college, but I can't imagine being a parent that. And you, you have that. Your kids are still in those yeah. years. How does that? How does something like this even impact you from a personal level? Yeah, um, I mean, I got a text from my son's teacher today that was to all the families that said, we just want to let you know we spoke about in class yesterday's events in Uvalde, Texas, and few students didn't know, and we did not spend much time talking about the event specifically. We shared fears and frustrations. We spoke about the Second Amendment, what it is, 
and the difference between state and federal laws. They held space for each other. We talked about making sure we have something to do that helps us through the madness. We talked about how much hurt there is in this country. Interesting. It's uh, to lead kids through those conversations is um, is pretty remarkable. What grade does she teach? Uh, my son's in sixth grade. Wow. And yeah. when you go to school to become a teacher, you don't think that those are the texts that you're going to have to send out. And I mean, right. I'm a lot, I'm, I'm older than you, but I mean, I'll be 49 in October. And I remember, I mean, we used to have fire drills, right? right? But my kids now at school have active shooter right. drills where they practice what they're supposed to do. And my son has a teacher who, who told the students, I would give my life for you. Wow. I will protect you. And basically said, if, if, the, if, if this happens, here's the position that we take. Right. And I want you to make sure that you're behind me. Yeah. Talk about what a, what a courageous concept for this. I mean, first of all, teachers already don't get paid enough money, never mind to lay their lives on the line. And so how do we navigate this idea? What's fascinating to me and depressing at the same time is the frequency with which they happen. Because I remember very vividly when Columbine happened. And when Columbine happened, man, we talked about that for years. Right. Because it was like the one isolated incident that happened. But now they happen with such frequency that you haven't even had the opportunity to fully process one yeah. Before the next one happens. I, I feel like we're still processing Sandy Hook. And that that feels like now that that happened so long ago. But that that was the most tragic prior to this one. Right. And yet there's been so many that have happened in between and so many close calls that have happened in between. And I think even in law enforcement, you don't think about what is it that you're – you're going to have to do if you go into an elementary school for a shooting. And so I think it causes people spiritually to come up with these questions that I think are valid questions. And mm-hmm. I, know, I mean, you and you could ask this about any situation. We could ask this same question about our next topic, about, about why would God allow bad things to happen to good people? And yeah. you can theologically navigate through that. We learned that in seminary. They, they yeah. teach you all of the bullet points to address that. In fact, of well, you know, Jesus said there is none good. You know, that, that. in the middle of this, that's a bunch of hogwash. You don't want like your doctrinal, theological, biblical, scriptural. Like I sometimes I've I've learned this from my kids. Right when I try to answer real life questions with biblical answers. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it pushes them to where they're like, bro, I don't want to talk about the Bible right now, even though the Bible does encapsulate everything. But it does, it does come back to this thought of like, why, why? Like God, and this is me. Like if I take off the pastor hat for, for just 30 seconds, I go, what in the world? I don't often see you in a hat, but no. I am, yeah. I'm not really a hat guy. You <laughs> yeah. are. But I, I just go, what in the heck, God? Like, like in, in your omniscience, all-knowingness, 
in your omnipotence, all powerfulness. Yeah. Why? These are babies. They're kids. And and yet it comes to me, and I, I thought through this quite a bit last night, and I was spending some time praying for the families. And I'm not a social media poster, by the way. Like, you know that a lot of people, they'll probably, when I get to the end of my life, maybe people will go, well, why didn't he post more opinions on social media? I don't know. I just, I didn't feel like, A, I didn't feel like I had, like, I didn't know what to say, first of all. But as as I prayed for the families, prayed for the the, the kids that uh, didn't lose their lives, who now have to figure out how to live with that trauma, the thing that came to my mind is that it is the beauty and the curse of free will. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a Jewish person, there's plenty of times in Jewish history where we ask, why did you let this happen? Yeah. All the way back to slavery in Egypt for 400 years. Right. And babies being murdered by Pharaoh Mm -hmm. and uh, persecution and suffering. I mean, Jewish people have been kicked out of every country in Europe multiple times over the last 2,000 years simply because we're Jewish people. In in France, it's been like 30 times. Wow. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to balance. We're the chosen people with suffering. Yeah. But I think that's also part of the flip side of blessing. If God's promise was that he was going to bless us so we would be a blessing, it means our enemies view us as a curse. Hmm. God made us a blessing. The reason why Jewish people are successful in all the things that we're successful in is because of a blessing from God, even if they're atheists, um, because it's part of the promise. But those very same things, our enemies turn into, well, they have all the money and they have all the power and they run Hollywood. Or we're just, there's a lot of Jewish people that are great directors and writers because it's part of the gifting that God gave us as people to bless the world. So I think some of it is perspective. Um, the question, which I got, like somebody texted me in my congregation, why would God let this happen? Yeah. And, you know, the, I don't, I'm not even sure that's the right question. Because, well, <laughs> I mean, all my answers are biblical, so your kids yeah. will be frustrated with this part yeah. of the podcast. But Romans chapter 1 is, um, it says that God gives people over to their evil desires. Mm-hmm. So it's not that he's letting it happen without any sadness or grief. Um, He's letting people go in the direction they're going to go. I'll give you, here's a cool, (laughs) it's one of the most misquoted scriptures in the whole Bible. It's from Proverbs. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. (laughs) The problem is, that's not what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew actually says the exact opposite, which is let a novice go in the direction he's going. And when he is old, he will not receive correction. Wow. 
Huh. So we treat it as like people come to me all the time and they're like, I raised my kids to love the Lord and read the scriptures and they became adults and like they don't. So the promise of God, it's like a struggle. It said, if I train them in the way they should go, when they, you know, they won't turn from it. But that's not actually what it says. The point is, if, if they're already going in a bad direction yeah. and you do not correct them or teach them how to receive correction, then they will continue going in that direction. Mm. And that's true for the whole world is there's a, there's an, a lack of acknowledgement of who God is and what he's done and what's he, what he's given us that pushes us further and further away from the blessings he's given us. And we go in our own way. Mm -hmm. The whole book of judges in the, in the old Testament is that design. God gave judges to Israel because uh, three times it says in the book of judges and Israel did what was right in their own eyes, Mm -hmm. which is not okay. Right. And so the whole book of Judges is things go from bad to worse to really bad to, oh, no, we need a savior. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because we keep doing what is right in our own eyes. And I think you see that when stuff like this happens, there's politicians and people that immediately respond with, you know what the problem here is? It's gun control. You know what the problem is? It's mental health. You know what the problem is? Like I was with a group of guys last night and one of the guys said, you know, the problem is we took God out of the public schools. Everybody's got like a very specific, you remember back in like the, back in like the nineties when Pat Robertson and those guys would be like, it's because of homosexuality in America. Like everybody, (laughs) like, and you're like, that's the one reason. Yeah. Like, stop it. Maybe it's all of those things. Yeah. Like, maybe there's a relationship to all of these things. And when we limit them to our own idea and our own platform of, well, if we just fix this one thing, then everything would be okay. But we're not acknowledging that there really is a thing called evil yeah. in the world. And evil makes people do evil things. Yeah. And it's awful and it's sad and it's heartbreaking. But it, but those things are all true for God too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he feels the heartbreak yeah. and the sadness because they're all his, made in his image. So when these things happen, there's grief and sadness for God. It's, people are looking at it like he's pulled out completely right. and distant. Why would he let this happen? But I think this, the scriptures are clear that, well, he lets things happen because there's evil in the world and we're supposed to run from evil yeah, and respond to evil with the kind of compassion that God would respond to evil with. Well, it, even to the point of your scripture and Proverbs, <laughs> the, I think we live in a culture of celebration rather than a culture of correction. We everybody wins, everybody gets a trophy. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to tell people when things are wrong. And right. so like there's this whole atmosphere that has been created of case sera sera, whatever will be will be. You do, do you, you bro. Want, bro. You do yeah. you. You do you. And at some point, we do have to bring correction. We have to have uh a loving hand, but a firm hand. And we've kind of gotten away from that. 
And I'm not saying that, I mean, I, mean, I don't know any of the, the perpetrators or anything like that, but it, it's what's interesting is that it's just become this whole culture of we don't want to offend anybody. Mm-hmm. At some point, there has to be enough mm. love. I think it's more than that. It's not we don't want to offend anybody as much as I don't want to be offended. I don't think the concern is for everybody else. I think we are too offended by everything that happens. And we're offended for other people that aren't even offended. Hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe in our, maybe in our uh, not wanting to be offended, we don't want to project that on other people because I, I will say there's lots of times that I, you see stuff that somebody's doing that you know is detrimental to them and it's right. like, like should, I, like, should I say that? Do I want to tell this person? Yeah. I mean, I'm going through a lot of these discussions with my kids right now, right? Some of the mm-hmm. hot topics, like the things that are going on, and I know that you are too about some of the things that culturally have become acceptable to them that I'm having conversations with them about now, that they're old enough and they're about to leave my house. Mm -hmm. So we have to have discussions about some of these things. I want to know, what do you believe about X, Y, Z, A, B, C? And and I don't want to give in to just letting them think or feel whatever they want to think or feel because I'm still responsible for them. So right. if if I ask them about a certain topic and they tell me that they believe what what society believes rather than what scripture says, then I have to confront that, right? And yeah. that creates conflict in my house. And there have been conversations where I will not bend and my kids will get up and walk out. And, mm-hmm. and I have been called things by my kids that are like, bro, you know me. You know I'm not that. Yeah. But because my stance is firm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to bend on that. Now, I can love people that are like that or people that have done that or people that have – but at the same time, I can't condone that. But if I can't condone that, then I, I need to be courageous. I need to be courageous enough to correct that too, right? And correction takes courage and it takes love. It takes being able to be in relationship enough with somebody. Well, that, and that's the key, I think, is we're correcting people we don't have relationships with. Right. And there's no place for that. I mean, there's an it, there's issues of justice in like a country and in a state and in a city that I think we should fight for. Um, but correction is really based on relationship. Mm-hmm. That's why it's, if you see a novice, a novice, I mean, in the Hebrew, it's like, a. I think novice means teenager. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, a, it's not a child, Yeah. the way we understand that yeah. verse. Uh, it's, if a teenager is going in a direction that needs correction, correct them. Or when they're old, they will never receive correction. And what I find is, I mean, this is somewhat true for me too. I think it's true for all of us. But I think a lot of adults don't know how to receive correction because they were never taught. Right. And so people reject correction for whatever reason rather than just stopping and going, man, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. 
um, it's we we live in a culture that does not know how to accept. Yeah, give correction, accept correction in anything, um, and I think that is you know it means the majority of adults are still adolescents. Yeah, they're, for sure. You know, and there's certain issues. Like I said to somebody who, someone who texted me and said, "Why would God let this happen for the Texas shooting?" And you know, perhaps it's too quick, but because I have a relationship with this person, I just said, "Listen, the real question is why does this affect you to the point of what how it affects you, hmm. and how does it affect others around you?" how much a situation like this affects you. If something like that spirals you into deep depression, it, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be sad about it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for families or do something. You know, yeah. some people are compelled to do something. Um, but why do we feel the things that we feel? I mean, this is straight up Mr. Rogers stuff. Uh, you have to feel the feelings you feel. Yeah. Right. But most of us don't. We don't actually know what we're feeling and we don't realize that when we get angry about something, which we've talked about in past episodes mm -hmm. too, and you get angry about something, it's like at whatever age you are, you're all of a sudden 10 years old. Yeah. And the first time you felt that feeling, you've responded the same way your whole life without understanding what the feeling actually even is. Yeah. Um, and I mean... I think we're supposed to be sad. I think we're supposed to grieve. I think we're supposed to do something. I've, did you see Steve Kerr's, the coach of the Warriors? I didn't. His press before the game, playoff game, the day after, you know, he went into this whole thing about gun control. But, but the reason why he got so angry is I recently watched a documentary. His dad was a professor in Beirut oh. and got murdered. What? By, like, people with guns. So, like, why does, why is gun control such an important issue to Steve Kerr? Yeah. Like, personally. Because his dad was murdered when he was a teenager. Hmm. You know? And I think when that kind of thing happens, we just, like, some people just look and go, why is he so upset? He's a basketball coach. Yeah. Well, it's because he's got a real story with real history. And, yeah. Um. And we may not agree on what the solution would be on like, because he went through a whole thing about background checks and national background checks. And, you know, maybe that's a good solution. Maybe not. But I'm more interested in, you know, what's behind what a person is actually expressing. And are we expressing things in a way that's actually helpful to us and the people around us? And I think that's super hard because most people have no idea why they feel the things they feel. Yeah, I think feelings are are a, a call to action. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're feeling, what is it that you're going to do about that feeling? It's It should be prompting you towards something. And I, again, back to the relationship thing, it's it's difficult when you hear things about people who – like this young man, this 18-year-old boy, who when you read the article I read in the New York Times, yeah. that that he had posted warnings on his social media. Right. Right. And whether people didn't see it or whether people didn't take it seriously. And and my 
gut reaction when I read that was I wanted to like blame his parents. But like, I mean, it's the same with the boy in Michigan, right? The boy in Michigan, he he committed the school shooting with a gun that his parents bought him. So that's kind of one of the big things. And so then my natural reaction was to blame the parents, but then what it did, so that was my feeling. My feeling was to be frustrated with his parents, this boy's parents. Go, well, how is it that you read social media, you didn't you didn't pay attention to the way you feel, in body language? And then I got to thinking, when's the last time I checked my kids' social media? Mm-hmm. Like right. I follow my kids on social media, but I couldn't tell you right. what my kids posted yesterday on social media. Like I yeah. don't stalk them on social media, yeah. even though I probably should. And because sometimes I'll see their social media. I open their phones and look at it in their phone. Really? Yeah. How often do you do and that? And they get mad. Like I had an argument with one of my kids the other day because I saw something I didn't like. So yeah. I went into their phone and they were like, that's my phone. And I said, first no, of all, my phone. I paid for the yeah. phone. I paid T-Mobile for the service for that phone. And, you know, the you can't, it's it's private. No. You are under 18. Nothing in your life is private. <laughs> you don't have privacy rights yeah. from your parents um, because we're trying to protect you. So I, if I don't know their passwords, they're not allowed to have an app. If I can't get into their phone, like the lock screen, yeah. then the phone. you don't have a phone. Like I need to know what your code is. Because when you're sleeping, I'm going to look in your phone. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Which sounds creepy, but that's, I mean, that's the job of a parent, right? So how often do you check their social media? Like I check their social media, but not, I I mean, I follow my kids on social media, but then the question is how many other accounts have they created? That's another one. (laughs) That's how many, you know, but it's also relationship, even with your own kids to be able to say like, we have to, if you don't learn to receive correction from me, then you will live the rest of your life not being corrected. Right. And that won't go well with you. It won't serve you well. Yeah. I've had to, I've had to, uh, I've had to check my kids on their social media in the past and I'm not trying to get off on a rabbit trail, but it's, it's had two different reactions, right? If I just scold them, they get mad. Right. But then if I talk, like, let's say, okay, so my daughter will post a picture and I don't like the outfit that she has on. It's too revealing. And, and the first time that it, that she did it, I said, you need to take this picture down. You look like a hoe. (laughs) So she's mad. Right. It's true. Right. She did look, I mean, it was ridiculous, but then, but then like when the, I got like to the come back, tool? when I got, yes, when yeah. I got to come back and have the discussion, what I really wanted to say, I really yeah. wanted to communicate to her, you're worth more than this. Right. That's a huge difference. And not even you're better than this. Because like when you say things yeah. like that to your kids, like my kids will say, whatever, bro, no, why totally. am I better than that? And when you, when it comes down to this thing like of, you know, when you respond to people 
like when you talked about with the Jewish people who are God's chosen people, and then they have to endure this because blah, blah, blah. I, like I've used that rationale on my kids. Yes. I've said, listen, this is happening in your life because you're under attack. And the reason that you're under attack is because God's got a calling on your life and, getting your, and he has a destiny for your life. And I've literally had my kids return my serve and say, fine, I don't want that then. Right, and so I, it's like it's easy to come up with that dialogue when we're old yeah. and we've lived life and we've seen that. But I'm I'm looking at yeah. this and I'm going, I'm going, I'm I, I live in Texas right now, Uvalde, Texas, and some eighteen year old boy just came into my kid's school two days before summer break. They were excited to get to school that day. They were like, we got we got no work in class today. We're gonna have a fun day and we don't have any work. We had dressed up today. It was dress up day and those kids were excited to go and you got to process that with them that morning over breakfast and then you got a phone call that your kid was murdered at a school. There is nothing that can be said to say, but God has a plan, but God yeah. works all things for good to those who let. Like none of that stuff, that stuff suddenly, Scripture, when it's external, suddenly becomes cliche. And we've got to have something that's drilled down within us because we know that tragedy is going to come no matter what. Every one of us, it may not be as tragic as this, but tragedy is going to come for all of us. And what is it that we're drilling down inside of us right now that we can harvest that we can hit the pocket on when tragedy does hit. And I would right. love to tell these parents, hey, 15 years from now, but 15 years from now, they're still going to be mourning that child. 20 years from now, 40 years from now, they're going to mourn yeah, that child. Like I've put a baby in the ground. I put a child in a little white casket and put her in the ground. You, ne mm -hmm. pr I promise you, you never recover from it. There's moments in your life for the rest of your life. But what I do know is... And I'm not talking theoretically right now. I'm talking like from one parent, my daughter wasn't murdered, but my daughter did die. That yeah. I that I can tell you that there are things that I have learned. There are nuances to God that I have experienced. There are layers to his goodness that I have been able to bathe in that I never could have had I not had to walk through that. And I wished I didn't ever have to have walked through that. I wish these parents in Michigan or Texas or all the other places where they've gone through this sort of violence. I wish those people didn't have to walk through that. But what I can tell you, and this is going to sound so cliche, and yes, there's lots of violence in America, but there's also this idea that he will never leave you. God right. is not absent in this tragedy. He is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. And, yeah. and we have to figure out how to lean into that and to take on that, that identity and that uh, responsibility as people who surround people who are in tragedy. And, and we have all sorts of different temptations. We want to we give answers. We want to give... But and sometimes you just need to sit and just you just need to be and you don't need to quote scripture and you don't need to give lessons and sometimes you just need to be a hand or an ear. Sometimes somebody just needs to cuss and yell and cry and scream and mourn yeah. and lament. Yeah. And understand that that it's gonna take a long time 
for this. Yeah. And and so that's the 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 only psalms that we quote in our services and generally on social media are all the happy ones. Right. But the vast majority of 150 psalms are lament. Yes. Which are just sadness and grief and they don't make sense if you don't understand that the person's in grief. Yeah. You know, there's a, I mean, there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Oh my gosh. um, Which is written after the destruction of the temple, which is our fault as a people because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. I mean, you have to lament the, like, feel the pain and the loss. Yeah. But what you said about God being with us in it, it's, it's sort of like, um, the question, why does God let this happen, is not as important to me as a question as what does God feel when these things happen? Hmm. That's really and good. And do I have the heart of God? Like I, I was trying to find, I saw a few different people post if you something along the lines of if your first response to like the murder of kids is you're an issue or a platform mm. and not, oh my God, yeah, that's so awful. I feel so bad for these families, right? Like there's something in our brains that have to shift when a tragedy happens and someone thinks, oh, now they're going to come after guns, right? Now they're going to change the laws or on the, you know, Decide people are. This is all a mental health issue. This is all a gun control issue. This is all a like whatever people, uh, whatever the reaction is. They could be the opposite reaction, but the same problem. If your first reaction to tragedy is to protect something, wow, rather than just go, oh dear God, sit in it. uh, How do you? Even you know, like one guy. I think it was actually Kurt Franklin, the gospel singer. Um, was the first person I saw post it, but um, and I, I've seen others post it as well. But the the picture on Instagram was I feel so powerless, like I feel like I can't do anything to fix tragedies like this. Parents, I'm so sorry. Hmm. <laughs> like there's an issue of first response. You know, are we worried about the thing we're worried about? Are we worried about a platform or an issue? And somebody using it to their advantage. You know, like we anticipate, oh, here they come. The Democrats are going to use this to their advantage. The Republicans are going to use this to, yep. like, and that's all real. And it's not bad to process yeah. those things. But if your first reaction to 19 kids being murdered is fear yep. that somebody's going to disagree with your platform. Yeah. Or they're going to take like, away your right to or whatever. Yeah. Like, we're not in a good place as human beings when we can't just pause and go, I hate this stuff. Mm. Like, it's awful. And there's so many awful things that happen in the world. And there's awful things that we don't, you know, people post the, like, I saw a bunch of posts about how many more gun, you know, like, gun violence happens in the, um, or like, Tragedies like this happen in the United States more than any other country. But also, we have 400 million people 
And most、uh, of the countries in Europe have 30. Right. Like, you can't do all this. All the statistics don't always line up. Yeah. They don't all make sense. And I don't, I, I think it would be awful to act like America doesn't have a problem with guns. Because we do.、Um, we have a problem with the way some people use them.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but. It's, it's also, it, it doesn't mean, like, there's too many numbers and statistics, and people pick, like, cherry pick the,、yep. you know, well, this country has, you know, Denmark doesn't have any, you know. You're like, well, what did Denmark ever do other than Legos?、Um, you know, like, it's, it, we're too fast to, like, try to process. Yeah. And I think people that are smarter than me have to figure out what to do. And I think people use the thought, you know, thoughts and prayers. There's always people on, the,、uh, on all the social medias now that are like, enough with the thoughts and prayers. Like, they don't do anything. They're like, okay, well, it doesn't for you because you don't care about prayer, but prayer is important to me. Yeah. And when I pray for families, I think it matters. And I'm not just saying pray for the families and then not praying、and、for them. And then not pray for you. I'm trying to sit myself in a space where. What are they actually feeling? I want to cry with them.、Mm. Right? And I want, I know the Lord is crying with them.、Um, and like, how do we feel the things we're supposed to feel? Yeah, I think a lot of people on social media <laughs> are really wanting to be relevant when you're saying they should be remorseful. Just sit. And that's what, the,、yeah. I mean, the Jewish people, I mean, they're, and this is going to sound terrible, but they're experts in mourning. Yeah. Like it is a process that you do have to go through. And if you don't allow yourself to go through it, then it remains in you. And Bro, we have this prayer called the Mourner's Kaddish.、Yeah. The Mourner's Kaddish is said every Saturday in most synagogues in the world. And the tradition is when you lose somebody you love, specifically parents, like direct relatives, parents, children,、um, you stand for the Mourner's Kaddish for 11 months.、Wow. So we don't put the gravestone. Up immediately. We bury the person. Then you say the mourner's cottage for 11 months in synagogue. Then there's a service called the unveiling where you put the tombstone up at the end of the year、wow. of mourning. And there's a whole process of mourning that Judaism has built into it that、uh, most forms of Christianity have nothing close to、um, because it's an acknowledgement that. And people have said before, like, and we don't do it every week.、Um, we do it most weeks. But in all of my life, as I can remember, there's never a Saturday where someone's not standing. Wow. Even in a group of like, you know, when our service is the smallest it is, like 40 people, somebody's standing. Wow. Because death happens、yeah. all of the time. And it's a reminder to us who haven't. Lost someone recently, that there are people in our community who are always mourning.、Mm. And we're supposed to mourn with them. Yeah. So it's an opportunity for us as a community when only, you know, everyone sits down except for those who are mourning. So it's those who are mourning, please stand. And we're supposed to pray for them as they're standing. And the cool thing is, the Mourner's Cottage says nothing about the dead. It says, 
glorified and sanctified be God's great name throughout the world, which he created according to his will. Amen. Mm. And it's, you, you, it's all about who God is. Um, and it never mentions the dead. Um, but it's intentional because the prayer is not for the dead. The prayer is for those who are still living, who have lost someone. Yeah. And how do they go through the process of saying words that are hard to say and that you don't believe throughout the whole process because of your process of mourning? Hmm. Like, I know God is glorified and sanctified, but it doesn't feel like it when I have lost. Yep. Right? Sure. Well, that's why you keep saying it. Yep. Because as you go through a process, God will show you that he didn't leave yeah. you. You're going to say it until it becomes you. true for you. Totally. You got to keep saying it. But it, well, yeah, we're in this war that is a war of violence, is a war of attrition. It's it's this idea of, you know, I mean, we're dealing with the thing in the Ukraine right now, right? And people who are displaced by it and people who are wounded by it and people there's people who are widowed and people who are orphaned by it and that very same thing is happening spiritually within within our world right now where we're we're being we have been victimized by this spiritual warfare that has left some of us orphaned and has left some of us widowed and left some of us standing when other people are sitting but left them standing while we're sitting. And this idea that we need to bind together with each other in these moments and not just because we're binding together on social media, but like binding together with, okay, you have these 19 families right now who who need someone to lean on. Well, guess what? In a year, they're still going to need someone to lean on. And then there's somebody in your immediate circle who lost somebody 20 years ago who's going to need somebody to lean on. And so as painful as the whole process is, it should bind us together so that we can be in deeper and more meaningful relationships with each other and depend on each other. Yeah, and process things we have to process. To quote Will Smith in I Am Legend, who's quoting Bob Marley, who's quoting the Gospel of John, who's probably quoting Jesus, who's quoting God the Father in Genesis chapter 1. Light up the darkness. That's, there's evil and there's darkness around us. And we have an opportunity to bring light into every place where there's darkness. But part of that light is not the over-spiritualization and the just quoting of scripture and the, you know... God just probably needed an angel in heaven, which is people don't become angels because angels are their own creation. Like, stop. How do we help people grieve and help people mourn? And in the middle of awful things that happen in a world that's full of sin. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you're grieving or you're mourning or you're going through a really, really difficult time like that, we would love the opportunity to connect with you and to pray with you and for you. So please reach out to us. If you heard something on here that you think is relevant to someone else, we'd love it if you would share it. We've had uh, a heavier conversation today than than we have, but it is heavy times. And so uh, from the rabbi and the pastor, we love you and we're praying with you and for you. 